Awesome. Feeling a bit teary this morning, eh? I left the man up a bit. <laughs> Whoa, watching all that. Man, what an awesome lot of people you guys are, eh? All the families here and excited. It's just ph phenomenal what uh, God is doing in the lives of each one. When we submit our lives to Christ, what a difference He can make. He, not only in our lives, but in the lives, and not only in our marriage, but the lives of our children and our grandchildren for generations to come. This is a very important moment right now in your life. And the decisions you make now are just going to affect generations to come. The choices you make now, praise His name. Wasn't it so great just to see the freedom in the church here this morning? What an awesome testimony from Jess, as we've already said, but see Adira just running around free with her hands in the air. You know, it's just great when the little ones can raise their hands, not worrying, not self-centered and worrying about what's going on around them, but just simply free in the presence of the Lord. I love it. I love it. It's exciting. Cool. Let's pray, eh? Lord, we just honor you here this morning. You are the king of all glory. You're our life. You're life itself. You're the creator of everything and the sustainer of everything. And in you is life. And we just enjoy just your presence. As our king, you are our living head. You are in control of the body. And we're your servants. And we just bow before you. You've won our hearts today. And we just want you to teach us, Lord. Teach us your ways. Lead us in your paths and your truth as we draw from you the eternal source. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Well, it's interesting. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting how God just confirms things all the time, you know. I often speak on Noah's Ark, and we're going to go back there again today. But then I find kids alive are doing Noah's Ark. Then those verses that Reuben read out, well, I've got them in my message as well. It's just amazing how things just all come together and there's affirmation. The title of my message today is a, is, 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 a, is a new life and a fresh anointing. Praise God. Before I start into that, though, someone in our congregation this week uh, sent Ruth, an uh, uh, anonymous person, sent Ruth uh, something that happened to them. And I've got permission to read this out today. And this is how it goes. And I just love God just moving in the body and doing different stuff. And as we go out into the town, so I thought it was quite... Uh, Quite, quite good. He says, I was walking through the domain and met two women. One asked me, who are you? I replied, saying that I am a child of God. She looked at me a bit surprised by my answer. Then she asked me, what is your purpose? I replied, saying that my job is to be ready for whatever purpose God has for me. Well, this completely stunned her. Then she asked me, if I would be interested in going to their church on Sunday. So I said, you have asked me a couple of questions. How about answering my question? Sure, she said, what's the question? I asked her, what's the difference between religion and Christianity? No idea, she said, what's the answer? I said, religion is a man sitting in church thinking about fishing. Christianity is a man who is fishing thinking about God. So that was quite a quaint answer, wasn't they? Incidentally, at work, we're going fishing tomorrow, so that's good. Once a year, we go out, and we're going out to get some kingfish. We're going out on our spot X, so it's going to be a good day tomorrow. So I thought that fit in with the message today. Praise God. Well, a new life. A new life. 
Sometimes we've just got to let go of the past and uh, receive a new life. Sometimes when we start out in life, it's all about us. And the road is rocky and it takes us down, but when we come to see that Christ is our life and we start to receive eternal life from Him, invite Him into our hearts and into our life, what a change uh, that brings. You may have spent many years as a Christian even, trying to share your life with God. But God wants to share Christ's life with you today. What a contrast. Here you are, you're saying to God to come in and, and, and help me, and, you know, I'll make a space, a little space, and a lovely little, uh, holy little corner of my life for you, and, uh, and I can share my life with you. But God says, no, I've got something even better. Uh, I don't want to just come into your life. I want to give you a new life a life in Christ. I don't want to just be part of your life. How about me giving you my life, a perfect life, the life of my son, the one that I delight in, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah says in uh, Isaiah 43, the Isaiah the prophet, he says, we need to forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Isaiah 43 verse 18 and 19, if you want to look it up. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it or do you understand it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Sometimes we find ourselves in a deep, dark valley and in something that seems like a wilderness where there's emptiness and there's things are just going, it's chaotic and they're going wrong all around us. And then God's saying, it's all right. Forget those former things. Don't keep looking back at the past. Look to my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. When I go back to Noah, you know, he's a man that God had a new life for Noah. I love it because there's such a contrast between the old world where Noah lived and preached righteousness before the flood came, the great deluge when God judged this earth by water and by a flood, and the new world that Noah came out into and the eight of them in the ark, him and his wife and his three sons and their wives. I love, I love numbers, being a, being a businessman. And uh, I was looking back in Genesis, and I see that Noah's dad, and he comes from a, a genealogy, 10 generations down from Adam to Noah. His father was Lamech. Now, Lamech died at 777, that's three sevens, years old. Noah's dad. And seven uh, speaks of uh, completion or perfection. And there's three of them. God was pretty much finished with the old world. It grieved him in his heart when he saw that every thought of the imagination of the hearts of man was only evil continually. But it wasn't immediately when Lamech died. There was five more years before the flood came. And five in the Bible is the number of grace. And God is so gracious he holds back the judgment we deserve, and He extends His loving kindness to, toward us. And He's very patient and very kind to us. I love, I love the study of numbers because eight in the Bible, there are eight people on the ark. Eight is a number of new beginning or a new life. You see, you have the first seven days, six days of creation. Six is the number of man. On day number six, God made man. Then He rested on day number seven. That was a Saturday. And he made a day of rest there, the full week, you see, seven days in a week. 
But then God, there came a time that God was finished with the old order. And he wanted to bring in a new earth. And a place where the old was judged and the new was revealed. And so eight is the number of a new beginning. It's the first day of a new week. There were eight people in the ark. It wasn't an accident that there were eight people in the ark. It's not an accident that it was Genesis chapter 8 where we read about Noah coming out into the new world. Eight people in the ark. David, who was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, King David, who killed the Goliath, was the eighth son of Jesse. It's not by chance. Nothing in God's world happens by chance. Romans chapter 8, if you read through Romans, it's when you come into Romans 8 that there's no, therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. The chapter ends with no separation from the love of God. It's like a new day has dawned. Chapter 7 is all about the old struggle in an old world, a world that's under the law. It's amazing how it all just flows in God's world. So I'm going to read a few verses about Noah's Ark soon. In Genesis, not generation, Genesis chapter, just seeing if you're awake, Genesis chapter 8. But before we do, I just want to talk about it, because there's one picture, a wonderful picture of the gospel. See, the ark is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Noah found safety and his family found safety in the ark. We've been hearing testimonies and excite here about families today who are finding shelter in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're finding the world is, is totally radically changed. What they thought was impossible becomes possible. We serve a great and awesome God. That, that's because they've come to find out where to abide and where to dwell, where the place of safety is. And that is in Christ, the ark that Noah had in his day that saved him and his family and the animals from a world that came under judgment is a picture to us of our Lord Jesus Christ. The waves and the judgment of God that beat across the outside of that ark, the ark took it all. It reminds us of the Lord Jesus Christ when he went to the cross and when he died for us, for our sins. And when he was buried and then he rose again, he provides salvation. He is our ark. He is our place of safety. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He's the one that we abide in by faith. I wonder this morning, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? It's important that you come to shelter and to dwell in him. Now, we read when Noah came through, it was a, it was a, the whole world was destroyed by a flood and then the ark lands on the mountains of Ararat, and uh, Noah was there for many weeks still in the ark. He had to wait for the waters to dry up, and there was only one window in the ark. It looked upwards to heaven. It was in the third story. There was no windows that looked out around about at the judgment of God, but one window that looked towards heaven. That's good. I wonder if you've got a window in your life that looks towards heaven. To the Lord Jesus Christ, he's highly exalted. He's given a name above every name. He's ascended back into the glory. Are you looking to him? Hallelujah, a window. But then Noah had to send out some birds. There were two birds, and I want to speak about those today. The first one was a raven. It was a black bird, and he sends it out to see if the, because he couldn't see with his eyes, but he had to send it out the window. And it was a test to see if the floods had all dried up or not. And the raven went out. It was, a raven was an unclean bird. It was considered to be a symbol of evil. It, it was a scavenger. 
that fed off uh, flesh, the flesh even of the dead. So this raven goes out, and it goes backwards and forwards, and it doesn't come back. So he thinks, okay, the raven stayed out there. There must be something for land, somewhere to land, something to eat. So that's sort of, he waits, waits another week, then he sends out a dove. He sends, sends out a dove. Um, I'll, read, I'll read it, I'll read it to you. Genesis chapter 8, verse 7 to 11. Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the faith of the ground. Verse 9 of Genesis 8. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her back into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening. So it had been out there a while. But it came back in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. And you can read the rest of the story for yourself. He waits longer, another week, I think, before he opens up the doors and goes out. You know, the, the, the raven... It goes out and it just goes backwards and forwards over the earth. And it reminds us of, the, of someone else, the devil. He goes around like a roaring lion. He goes to and fro. He came before God one day and he'd, he said, where you come from? And he'd come from going backwards and forwards throughout the earth, just like the raven. And it's like, so often, it's like also the unbeliever that doesn't know God that, that goes through life aimlessly just going backwards and forwards, and there seems to be no uh, purpose in life. And, and sometimes just to deriving pleasure from the things of this world that will never bring lasting joy and lasting satisfaction. See, the, the, the dove is so different. The raven will go out and land on uh, dirty areas and uh, even maybe where there's rotting flesh. But the dove, it really speaks of the Holy Spirit of God. The dove is white and clean and pure. And the dove will go out and is looking for, a, for a fresh life, new life. That's why it came back with an olive, olive branch. The, olives, the Mount of Olives where Jesus was just outside Jerusalem, he went up there often and just before the cross in the last week, he went up there a few times to the Mount of Olives. It was a place where there was about 150,000 graves. People had been buried there on the Mount of Olives. It was that was, uh, and, and Gethsemane was at the base of the Mount of Olives. And uh, Jesus went out there on his way up to the cross. And the olives are pressed to bring out the oil, and the oil speaks of the Holy Spirit. And the pressing of the olives speaks of what Jesus went through at the cross for you and I. He was pressed beyond measure when all our sin was laid upon him. And God judged his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, for our sins. So that we might have the blessing of eternal life. And so that God could send out the dove, as it were, His Holy Spirit to come and find a place in our hearts and in our lives that was pure and clean. Once we receive Jesus and we realize that He died on the cross for our sin, we receive the gift of His righteousness. So the dove won't deal with dead things. It won't land in muddy water. But it had something completely new when it came back the second time. An olive branch. There was new growth. There was something fresh in a new world. 
What a contrast, the old world and the new world. God just was grieved with the old world. Do you know, there's, there's almost like a parallel universe today. When we read John's Gospel, chapter 3, we read that God, for God so loved the world. But if we look in different parts of the Bible, we find that this world, there's also a present evil world. There was an evil world in Noah's day that had to be judged by God. But when he came out and, the, and of the ark, he came out, and there was only eight of them, which speaks of new life, he came out into a new world where there was fresh growth, a new beginning. I know there's many in this room today who have had a new beginning with God. We, that's what Jess is talking about when she looked to the Lord. What a change in her life. There's something new and fresh that's growing up within, and it's what the dove loves, the Holy Spirit of God. If we want a fresh anointing, we need to be taken up with a new growth, a new beginning in Christ. That's what the dove is looking for. That's what the dove's looking for. Do you know, just talking about the dove, or the, um, it's the uh, Middle Eastern dove. When it's hovering, unlike other birds, when it's just hovering on the wind, it, the tips of its wings point forward. Most birds, the tips of the wings point back when it's soaring, you know. But the, this dove, this Middle Eastern dove, the tips of his wings point towards its head. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It exalts the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. This Middle Eastern dove has nine main feathers on one wing and nine main feathers on another wing, larger feathers. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. If we read in the New Testament, we find there's the, the nine fruit of the Spirit. There's the nine gifts of the Spirit. It's quite amazing how all these things fit in. There's also five main tail feathers. What can, could that be symbolic of? Grace. Five is the number of grace. That's right. But it's also um, the fivefold ministry gifts of the Spirit. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor the teacher, the ministry gifts that God has given to the church to direct it. You see, it's the tail feathers or even the tail of an airplane or a jet that directs it or the rudder on a ship even. And those are the, like the tail feathers to direct it. So God has blessed us through the Holy Spirit and He wants to give us a fresh anointing in our lives. But He is looking for our Lord Jesus Christ within us. Paul the Apostle said, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we'll appear with Him in glory. So what is your life? Is it all about you? Is it all about Jesus? Are you looking within? Are you looking back in the past? Or are you looking unto Him? If you're looking unto Him, and you're starting to learn and read the Bible and find out, and, and the Word, and finding out who you are in Christ, and, and what God has done for you, and given you, and the person of His Son, and as you grow in Him, the Holy Spirit comes down. God, God's Spirit anoints us for the work of the ministry when there's something there to be anointed, something that He can delight in, new growth, new beginning, new life in Christ, not the old. Jesus becomes our portion as we feed on Him, as we look to Him, as we trust in Him. When Jesus was baptized, we, we remember that, how the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, like a dove. 
didn't say it was a dove, but like a dove, it descended on him and dwelt on him. um, When we read in 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 16 and verse 9, we find that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. It's like God's going backwards and forwards. It's like that dove, like his Holy Spirit's going backwards and forwards, even over the congregation today. And he's looking for the one whose heart is fully his. Not the one that's distracted and sitting in church on a Sunday and thinking about going fishing tomorrow. Lord, help me. (laughs) But he's looking for the one whose heart is taken up completely with his son. The one whose heart is completely his, because there he finds a home. There he can come and light upon. There we've got something that we can share with others, that others can be blessed through us. And that's what Jesus said when he got up in the, when in the temple, when he read the Bible, he opened up the Word, the Old Testament, and he read, he read this, and he says, and it says in Luke 4, um, 18 and 19, it says, and Jesus reads it out, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. There's there's the dove coming upon us, upon the Lord. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Why? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. As I was here this morning and in the prayer time, uh, the, the Holy Spirit gives us thoughts. He communes with our spirit. And he was speaking to me about how that he comes upon us when we're obedient to the Word of God and we go out into all the world and we share the gospel with others. Go into the, all the world, the Great Commission. At the time when we need him, he'll be there. And that's what he comes upon. He comes upon the one who's obedient and he empowers us. We use, he, he empowers us with the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the ministry gifts, and He, and he empowers us to serve, to reach out to others. God, God has set people free, but they need to know it. God has a new life for people. They need to know it. God has a new world for people. It's not the old world that was under judgment, but God so loved the new world that He saw headed up in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he, he saw it. He saw the world headed up in his son, and he so loved the world that he gave his son because that was a world that was worthy of a great sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice of all, the greatest sacrifice that heaven could make, sending Jesus to be the Savior of the world. God coming in flesh to take our sin, to reach us, all our selfishness away, out of the way so that he could bless us with the life of Christ the new life, a new beginning in Christ. Praise His name. Numbers are important. I was down um, at the Stones. I often go down to the Stone store early in the morning. I tend to wake up a little bit earlier than maybe some days in Ruth, and uh, don't tell her I said that. And uh, I sneak off down there, stop at the BP if wake up isn't open at half six. If it's at six o'clock, I'll grab a coffee and go down there and commune with the Spirit. So I was down there yesterday morning, and he was talking to me, the Holy Spirit. You know, I love it, the communion of the Holy Spirit, just spending time alone, the water's coming over the waterfall. It's just amazing. Love the presence of God. And he said, Paul, you know what? He says, you're the oldest. I was thinking about numbers, and he says, you're the oldest uh, 
oldest of five, the five younger children in your family. Five is the number of grace. I thought, yeah, that's right. I love the grace message. I love preaching Christ. I love magnifying him. And he says, you're the, there's eight children in your family. There was a big gap between me and my three older brothers and sisters. And he said, eight is the number of new beginning, new life, the new life we have in Christ. See, grace brings us, and, and grace is all about being Christ-centered, not about being man-centered, but Christ-centered. And I thought, well, that's amazing. Eight, new creation. And then he reminded me that when I was a young child of about eight years old was the first time in my life when I first asked the Lord to come into my heart. Of course, I went away as I grew up and became a teenager, went out into the world and, and uh, went way off the rails. But at eight years old was the first time when I was thinking of him. And he was just saying to me, he was just saying to me, your father has called you, this Holy Spirit. He's called you to take the message of grace and new creation out into the world. That's what he's called us to do. First, we've got to appreciate it. We've got to know who we are in Christ. We've got to search the Scriptures, find out what God has given us freely in His Son, what He's blessed us with, what is our standing when we're standing on the rock. Who are we really? Do we take our DNA from our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents? Well, maybe in the natural we do, but we take our DNA from Christ because we've been born again of the Spirit of God and of the Word of God, and we abide in Him and dwell in Him. And so He's called us to take the good news out into the world. And He's called you also. And to go out into the world, you'll need a new life. Not your life, not adding God to your old life and just trying to get by and just saying, Lord, just help me. I'm just about there, but I just need a little bit of help just to be a bit better. No, no, it's actually a new life, a whole new life. You need to be born of His Spirit and born of the Word. And you need a fresh anointing. And as you go out, the Lord will be with you. There's no question that uh, as we hear the testimonies, as we hear the worship, even this morning, that there is an anointing of the Holy Spirit of God that we can recognize in the service and upon people's lives. So praise His name.